less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor. Deep dive. How's your Starbucks, Martin? Hey, I am hooked, but it's not on coffee. It's on walking. I got to get up and walk around every now and then. That's what it is. You're blaming it on walking now? It is. Hey, man, I got to walk. Is that below the line or above the line? No, it's the truth. Okay. Sometimes there's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah. uh, my, my watch always tells me to move, you know? So, but uh-huh. I got back from a 60 mile bike ride. I was walking in my garage and my WAP start buzzing. I look down and it goes, move. <laughs> <laughs> Drop dead. Yeah, of Garmin. course. You didn't move enough. Well, it doesn't well, yeah. count pedaling. It's got to be steps, I guess. You, uh, for those who don't know where Martin's office is, it's in the same uh, center area as a as a Starbucks. That's what two hundred yards. Oh, it's not that far, but not something that far. like that. Yeah, close, really close. Uh, so he's always going over there to get coffee and. Um, it he's not getting me. any of those girly drinks though. He's he's a no. black coffee Pike's yeah. place. Rest that stuff. I don't know where that stuff. That's that's what's wrong with America right there. Pumpkin <laughs> latte spice. <laughs> yeah. No, but then I feel obliged to buy coffee when I go there, and it's two dollars and sixty six cents a cup, and I can make my Folgers at home for 0.5 cents. So now you're, are you going there step. multiple times a day or no? Yeah. You know you get refills. No, they don't. Really? They, they used to. I could get a free refill, and then they put up a sign. I think, I think my refill count reached corporate headquarters, oh, okay. and they sent out a memo, <laughs> and it said there has been a misunderstanding. If you stay there, they'll give you a refill. But if you ah. walk out the door, it's kitching, resets the meter. Gotcha. So anyway, so I'm spending about seven hundred dollars a month on coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. More than my first house payment used to be, anyway. Well, speaking of coffee, I'm trying to think of a way to, to tie this in. <laughs> I, I've grabbed coffee with salespeople before, right? Yeah, there you go. There I've, go. Grabbed, grab co- I've grabbed grab something else. Hey, I have to tell you a story. Okay, go for it. Okay. Well, I don't drink. I hope that doesn't uh, diminish me in the eyes of anybody listening. But Well, it's because you get headaches, right? Yeah, I get headaches. There's not a, not a problem except headaches are a problem, but. Oh, 15, 20 years ago, we used to sell big equipment, big machinery, and I was down in a uh, mining town with a bunch of miners and our sales, our dealer down there, we're sitting in a hotel uh, bar and everybody's drinking. So I got up and I went over to the bar and I told the young lady there, I said, do you have iced tea? And she said, no. And I said, well, I want you to take soda water and put it in glass and then just take enough Coke and just discolor it. And I said, I want it to look like it's whiskey. And I said, if anybody orders around, that's what you bring me. And you go ahead and charge, you know, eight bucks or whatever. So she did. And I sat there the whole night. But I have to tell you, had they found out, they would have killed me. And that's really, oh, yeah. I mean, if you're sitting there faking like you're drinking with guys and you're not and they catch you. Well, (laughs) Let's put it that way. I thought I was taking my life in my own hands. Oh, goodness. That's good. Cleo, you need to come down to some of these places. (laughs) I'm sure. Maybe maybe I just don't know the crowds. (laughs) These were big old boys. Big old boys. Yeah. And 
if I was, I was too good to drink with them, I mean, that's how they might have interpreted it or I was trying to, you know, stay sober while they got drunk. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a death defying act. Yeah. Well, I don't know how to tie that into what we're talking about, but Wait a minute. Uh, I think I'm just going to transition. Oh, and I did into... a website about that. Yeah. <laughs> there's a website about that. Actually, I think that was before websites, honestly. Probably. So this topic came up website versus a salesman because of a, a case study video of one of our clients that you watched and we're like, Oh, let's, let's do an episode on that. Um, and basically what was it almost two years ago, started working with a client and, um, great company, uh, had done really well, but immediately knew that there were some, some issues with their digital presence, not just their website, but their social media accounts, their, their ranking on Google, their Google My Business account, um, all these different areas online. And so we came in to help fix that. And, um, you know, they had they had two salespeople and they were a little bit frustrated um, with just the performance that they were seeing online. They felt like they could capture more of a local audience. Um, they, were, they were getting customers locally, but from national uh, accounts, that would essentially sub out to them more or less. And they wanted to go direct to consumer, direct to the, you know, uh, local customers that they could reach. And they were, they were struggling to do that. That's what, that's why we were coming in to help with the digital presence. And so that's why this conversation came up and I'll share more about the results of everything here almost two years later uh, at the end of the episode. But it's, it's an interesting thing, especially as we look at small businesses, um, you know, I think as you look at large enterprise companies, um, they have a lot of theories and strategies and proof in the pudding of what they've done on their website and on their sales team. Uh, but when you get down, what I've seen, when you get down to the contractor level, the you know contractor that's got 100, 200 employees or less, it's just, it's completely different. Uh, it's a different ball game. And there's a lot that we can learn from some of these enterprise companies, but even just some things that they don't even do can help these, uh, help, can help contractors. So what, I, what I wanted to start by doing is really defining what a, what a good salesman is, uh, who they are, what they do, uh, also defining what a, we, uh, a good website, and then talking about the difference that the, why aligning the two a salesperson and a website are really important. So, uh, who, how did you define a good salesman, Martin? Well, um, just filling backfilling just a little bit. The other issue, uh, with the client you're talking about had two salesmen, but he'd been through a whole bunch of salesmen. So, well, right. Of and, and the problem there like was many, he was like perpetually mad. What are they doing? Where are they spending their time putting GPS on the trucks finally and finding out they're doing this and that. Right. And, and so I define a, a good salesman as being not like the salesman that this client had, <laughs> but sure. I, I'm being, I'm being kidding. The, I guess one of the, the, the obvious thing is a good salesman sells. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot to that. Uh, a, it's not necessarily a good salesman if they sell, but they're disruptive to the co company culture. And a lot of uh, salesmen can be that way. And a lot of salesmen are protected because if they sell, owners a lot of times will put up with all kinds of behavior, maybe behavior they wouldn't put up with a three-year-old at home because 
they're kind of held hostage to the idea that they have sales. So yeah. really a good salesman is more than just somebody who sells. They don't disrupt the company culture and yeah. they cultivate relationships with mm-hmm. customers. So they build a long-term relationship that immediately results in uh, a sale without disrupting everybody and also leads to future sales because they've built a, uh, a relationship. Now, old days customers also were lead generators. They were out prospecting, uh, yep. not, not just going after the people that they, who had contacted the company or, um, but, but they're also out there doing everything from, uh, marketing used to be just be some advertising. So they might take somebody who called in, but if not, they'd cold call people repeatedly cold call them, establish a relationship, nurture that relationship, uh, get opportunities, close the deal. Uh, one of the problems with that, I guess we're not really into all the problems, but one of the problems to that is oftentimes the relationship is with that salesman and not with the company. And so if that salesman takes jumps to ship, yep. a lot of times customers go with them. So uh, I think that answered your question. A good salesman can sell without disrupting everything, but more than that, cultivates relationships with customers on behalf of the company, not on behalf of his or herself. Absolutely. I, I, and this really does tie into the next point pretty well, but on in line with what you're saying, a good, in my, in my eyes, a good salesperson knows who they're selling to extremely well, knows their needs has, if if they have a relationship with them, they're relational, then they're going to know those things, but then they're also selling, um, to the right clients, the right products or services at the right price. And that's something that we see a lot of is, yeah, you can go find a salesman that's going to sell you a ton of business, but is it to the right clients that aren't giving you headaches? That's a really, really good point. And then then are they also selling at the right price or are they always discounting? Are they only selling the the services that don't have the right margins? Right. Um, So that's how really how I define it. They know their they know their audience. They know their needs, and then they sell the right product services at the right price. And I um, think one thing we kind of need to add because a lot of people listening here bid jobs, and they don't think of that as selling. They get the opportunity, and then they go, "Sure, you know, oh well, I'm going to bid that job, and I either get it or don't based on price." Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we'll talk about this a lot in in uh, future podcasts. But well, you're going to talk about it a little bit today with the USP. Yeah. It's not always the low bidder. And mm-hmm. if, if you're sitting out there thinking, well, it is here, um, just think about some of the bids you've lost <laughs> where somebody Absolutely. who bid more, you know, and then you, we always say, well, that's because they, they were crooked or, you know, or they had some <laughs> pipeline or they're paying. Well, it's not always the low price. Price is tough, but a good salesman will get you opportunities and get you consideration because they've represented your company so well. So that's a absolutely. Good point. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, you're on, you, you make it on the bid list. There's a reason why you get a request right. for proposal. Um, and it's, it's not because you're always the lowest bidder. Right. So, um, so now I, and I, I probably have a little bit more to say about this part, but just want to talk about why it's important that marketing and sales are aligned. Um, and I just want to give a, an example, you know, with, I've got a client who, whenever we started working with them, they were on a, on a software that was essentially their project management software. They could go in, they could put in, do all their sales through there and then manage the project through there. 
So they could go in, you know, send a proposal, get payment through the proposal, then it goes directly onto the shop floor where they start building the project. And then it shows where the location is so they can go install it. Everything is on this project management software. And it's great for the sales side. But on the marketing side, it didn't like sort or filter information. It didn't bring in customers directly uh, or leads directly from the website. Uh, it didn't, you know, carry over all the email and contact information they had before they bought the, the or got the proposal. Um, it just wasn't connected to the marketing. And there that huge disconnect caused so many problems and so many opportunities didn't end up getting proposals because they didn't have the marketing and the sales aligned. Um, that's on the software side only, but in many other respects, it's the same way. If your sale, if your website, which is considered your marketing, is not does not have the same capabilities as your sales team, then when your sales team goes and meets with somebody, it's like they don't have the content to go and deliver on that conversation they're about to have. I know sales teams that or salespeople that will go in and have so much confidence because they know if they if they have a question from a customer, they're not only going to be able to answer it in person or over the phone or via email, but they're also going to be able to link to a resource on the website to five different articles on the website that address those issues and then a video that they made last year that talks exactly about the problem that customer or clients having. And whenever you have those two aligned, it really makes a big impact. Now, conversely, on the marketing side, if you're marketing, you know, you, you're hiring an agency or you've got a marketing person in-house or you're doing it yourself, if you're just going out and running ads and posting stuff out that the sales team doesn't know about or the sales team doesn't care about, it's, it's almost pointless. If you're running a discount on Facebook and then the salespeople don't know about it and then they get a call saying, hey, I hear you're off in this discount, like what news to me, you just made me look stupid in a sales conversation. So they have to be aligned. You've got to have them working together. Um, so, you know, also the salespeople usually know the customers more uh, than the marketers because they're having actual conversations face to face with people. So the marketing team needs to be talking to the sales team to understand the pain points the, you know, the questions that are asked, all these different things so they can do better marketing. So it's really important that the two are aligned. Um, Martin, anything yeah. that you've well, seen? Well, one thing that? we, we might just, just for clarity is just say marketing is attracting the leads and sales is closing the deal. Right. And, and it's a continuum. And the more the marketing, I mean, to your point, they have to be delivering a consistent message. I mean, that's, that's yeah. your main point there, but also the more uh, you can do with marketing, answering questions that that salesman always hear and all this, and it's in marketing, they're pre-answered by the time the guy comes in and there's, they're not cold calls, they're warm calls. That's yep. a cliche, but, but there's a big difference. People oh, hate, big, big difference. people hate, most people hate cold calling, but if somebody calls in and wants to talk to you and is pre-sold or very close. People love that. I mean, who among yeah. us doesn't love that? Oh, for sure. Those are the best ones. You feel it makes you feel good. Um, well, let's dive deeper. So, let's talk about you know what are the what are the benefits you see of having a website versus a salesman? Um, and I know we can kind of bounce back and forth on these a little bit. But well, why don't I you mean, start us off? There, there's so many things. Uh, 
it's not, we'll talk about this more, but it's not interruptive. In other words, you're not going out and bothering somebody on the phone or even mm-hmm. in a magazine ad where you're interrupting what they're doing to give them your message. By finding you on the website, they are looking for you and you are making yourself available. And you can define it more accurately than I can, but that's inbound marketing as opposed to outbound marketing. Uh, marketing, inbound marketing, marketing through a website, it's working 24 uh, seven. You might think your customers uh, looking from nine to five or 7.30 to six o'clock yeah. or something, but they could be lying awake at night and hop on the internet, right? Well, and, I think that's true of all of us, right? We're, yeah. we're all sitting on our phones doing things. Yeah. You know, I'll go back to that, you know, outbound versus inbound, the way that I would think about it, outbound being a megaphone, which just imagine me throwing a megaphone in front of your face and talking to you. Listen, Inbound yeah. would be more of a magnet where they're coming to you to talk to you. Right. Um, that's kind of, you know, the, the way that I describe those. And to, to give you the example of why this is important today, right? Websites haven't been around forever, right? Um, salespeople have been around for a very long time. 20 years ago, you go to buy a new car. Well, you're not actually able to really look it up on a website at that point, but you're going to have to go to, you know, the five, six, seven lots that are around you, uh, see what they have on the lot. you don't know anything about the cars because all the power is in the hands of the seller. Right. The salesperson knows what's on the lot. He knows what everything about the make, the model, the trim. And so you've got to go and do your research by literally going and talking to salespeople because they had all the power. Now everyone's got a computer in their pocket with their iPhone or their Android, whatever it is. And they come to the lot. They know infinitely more about the car they want than the salesperson does because the car just arrived in the lot two hours before, was put on the website. They did all the research. They've been researching from that, you know, specific make model and trim for months, they saw that it came at the right price. They know exactly what they want to negotiate to. And the salesperson's like, I don't think we have that on the lot. And you're like, well, it was just got here two hours ago. Well, let me go check, <laughs> you know? And so that's the power of inbound is that your customers, your clients can go and do all the research they want without even talking to you. Matter of fact, they are doing it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the questions is, are you there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So are you going to be there for them to do research with you? Is right. your website going to pull up to give them the answers they need? Um, so that's a that's a really important thing to think about is the outbound versus inbound. And you're right. It does work around the clock. Your salespeople leave at five or whatever their shift is. But 24-7, your website's online. Yeah, I just... Uh just bought a truck and I don't buy them buy vehicles very often, but I'm always, you know, it's long enough in between that. I don't even know the prices. I mean, mm-hmm. no, no clue. And I do all that on the internet and get familiar with the packages and all that stuff before I even go look. And literally I walked in with a sticker from a truck and handed it to the guy and said, uh, well, I went around several places, but the guy went and got it for me from another dealer. But yeah. Um, yeah. And, I think another advantage of having a presence on the internet is it enables, or it's an extension of what we've been talking about. It enables people to get to know you without having to talk to you. Mm -hmm. And so you can put a presence on the internet about your company, about yourself, about your product, about what to show that you uh, have empathy and authority. You understand their problems and that you know how to solve them. 
without having to go through that conversation every time somebody calls you. And you yeah. can also control it a little bit. I don't know if anybody else is like this, but there are some days when I feel really good talking to people. And there are, I think, some other days when I'm not doing myself, myself any favor by talking to people <laughs> just because of the way I feel that day or whatever it is. Sure. So I can control it a little bit. And that doesn't mean that you falsify anything, but you can control it and put out there. Well, there's another thing that if you, because you do this to me because of the podcast we're on, you go, well, Martin, what are 20 things that people ask you? Oh, crap. Huh? You know, well, I can list a hundred if you give me a few minutes. Right. But if I'm concentrating on, Hey, what are things people want to know and how can I address that? And what do they care about? Uh, and I've got a website. I can begin to accumulate those, refine them. Pardon? You can have an archive. Yeah, I can have an archive, but, and it can improve over time. And when I think about it, I'm not having to recall it every yeah. time somebody gets on the phone. Uh, yeah. So it's 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 a repository of your knowledge, you know. Absolutely. And uh, well, I think. There's two things that I want to say with that. Yes, they can get to know you without talking to you. And honestly, that's usually the preference of people. How many times have, right. have you not wanted to get into a sales conversation with someone because you don't want to be sold to? Right. And you're like, do you have a business card or do you have a website that I can look at? Right. I mean, you hear it all the time. Do you have any information? And so, I mean, I know that salespeople, I, I've, I've met some salespeople that have left a company because they didn't feel like they had the materials they needed to act, to sell better. And essentially it was a website in, in the long run. The website was awful and people would be like, okay, I'll check you out online. And immediately the salesperson would cringe. Oh, no. <laughs> like, please don't come, like, please don't go to the website. No, let's have coffee. You know, And I'm, I know there are contractors listening right now that have experienced that. They're like, oh, I'll check out your website. And it, inside they're kind of like, oh, like, well, let me actually just take you to show you a job that I did recently right. or something like that. Well, you know, there are two sets of people listening to us, I think, uh, running through their minds is if you're a remodeler and you're dealing with the public, let's say that's for an example, you're, you're nodding your head and agreeing and saying, yeah, yeah, I got to have that because Susie Homemaker or, or, or the man of the house who's doing it, whatever it is, uh, they're going to go to my website and I understand that. But there are other people sitting there saying, hey, I... I bid uh, flooring jobs in public schools. They don't care yeah. about my website. Well, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> because uh, they're voting. And yes, price matters, but you have to be qualified. And it's, I think 20, well, 10 years ago, at least, certainly 20 years ago, if you didn't have a good website, you could still be considered a reasonable person. If you don't have a website right now, uh, even You're if everything legitimate. else, it's just like, hmm. Well, and, and what I like to say, I mean, for a lot of people, it is the first impression and people do judge a book by its cover. Right. If your salesperson went to all their sales meetings in white tank tops, flip flops <laughs> and sunglasses uh, and a swimsuit on, they they would consider it to be a joke. They, right. they would feel like it's not a legitimate salesperson. And yeah, they maybe as a contractor, your salespeople, you know, they're wearing boots and they're wearing jeans and maybe a, a button up shirt, but you know, maybe they don't need to be wearing a suit, but there is a standard for sure. Right. And if, and if the salesperson does show up in the suit, if they do look really professional and sharp. It's, it's bonus points. It's like, wow, like I, I'm, I feel like this is someone I need to respect. And so the same thing goes with your website. I mean, 
the first impression has got to be really great. So right. I've had, I've had people, uh, just real quickly, I've had okay. people tell me, oh, it's not that important. People don't really look at it and get on their phone to look up where we were going to go eat. <laughs> I said, come on. Anyway, go ahead. You're yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, as we're talking about websites, like what does it take to make a website successful? What, and I, I can share a lot of these, but you know, I know we've talked about this a lot. We, we even just, our last episode, we talked about us or last deep dive. We talked about USPs and unique selling proposition, how you, that needs to be on your website. It's got to be clear. It's got to, they've got to know how you're going to help them and why you're the person to help them. So, what so you've got to have USP? that clear messaging. What was that? If they didn't hear the last one, what's a USP? Yeah. Unique selling proposition. Um, go listen to it. If you want to learn more about that. Um, but you know, the biggest thing that I think people miss on a website is a call to action. Um, and I mean, that, that's kind of like the, the story that I started with, there were no calls to action on the website. There was a contact us button and that was it. And to me, that is not a call to action. A call to action is get a quote, schedule a, a consultation, yeah, learn um, more. get a free design session, not learn more. It's not, I mean, learn more is maybe go to another page on the website, but something that actually requires them to fill out a form, give you a call, get in touch with you. Um, that is a clear call to action. Um, download this ebook, right? Or whatever well, that's, it is. That's where I'm going with the with the learn more. I'm thinking about my website, but I may yeah. have to change it. But that's your fault because you're my you're my no, it's, marketing. It didn't say learn more, does it? I think so. Yeah, and it oh, takes me it goes, to the resources. It to a, yeah, it goes no, to it resources take, where you can download yeah. ebooks. And, right. If you want to, look, it's for uh, get tools right to your inbox. Right, learn more. Right. But yeah, to do to all resources. those things, you have to fill out a form. Right. So the learn more isn't the call to action. The resources are the call to action. Okay. If they want to get those resources, they've got to click download now or, you know, whatever right. it is. And that's how they get, they fill in a form to be able to get that resource. So having a cleared out call to action for most contractors, it's going to be request a bid. It's going to be speak to a technician, uh, schedule a consultation, speak to an expert, um, you know, schedule an assessment. Uh, schedule a design consultation, anything along those lines, that's get a free estimate, right? Those are great calls to action that contractors should have on their website. Um, after calls to action, you know, I think it's also really important to have a plan. And Donald Miller talks about this in Story Brand. Um, typically, whenever you have a plan on a website, or even if you're just talking about, hey, what does it look like for me to buy a product for you, from you? Um, you would be like, okay, well, first we'd have a phone call, then we'd schedule a time for me to come by and meet with you, and then we'd go and we'd look through everything that you need, and then I would come up with a quote, and then you would look through the quote and sign it, then we get a deposit, and then once I've gotten the deposit, I schedule a time to come out and actually do the work. And then I do the work over the course of a couple of days and then I send you an invoice and then I ask you for a review and we take pictures of your project or whatever it is. And you've got like 10 steps, right? That's not what your customers need to know. They don't, it's too confusing. It's too complicated. You need to give them a really clear plan, even if it's just condensing it in 
all of the steps into three steps. I would never do more than four steps in your plan, but do three. Simple as call and uh, schedule a time with us. We come out and get you a quote. We schedule the work and do it. Three steps. Boom. Right? Uh, if someone's going to request a bid, send us your project details. We'll come up with a bid. We'll do a meeting to give you a proposal or whatever it is. We'll follow up to to answer any questions. Right? Whatever it is, make it a three-step plan and make it seem really easy. Because the last thing someone wants to do is come to your website and feel like they've got to go through a bunch of hoops and hurdles just to be able to work with you. Make it easy to do business. Absolutely. Um, Next thing that makes a website successful is just having clear answers, right? Like how many times have you gone to a website and not been able to find what you were looking for and then just leave? Right. There's somebody else that's going to have my answer. Right. And there's a, uh, there's a real talent to understanding what uh, people want answers to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a contractor who's been in business for years, you pretty well know the questions you get. And, oh, absolutely. And it's uh, fantastic. And objections that you get. And Donald Miller also makes a great point that among your first answers should be clear uh, among your first questions should be uh, objections that you get and your answers to those objections. Uh, Absolutely. But yeah, Marcus Sheridan uh, is an inbound guy. He used to be a pool contractor. Wrote a book still called, is. Well, still, yeah. But he went through, I guess 2008 about wiped him out. He couldn't figure out what to do. So he just started inbound marketing and he's kind of the one of the pioneers. But uh he said, what do people want to know? And I think he came up with four or five, but I remember one of them. Uh, people might cringe when they hear this. He said, but what do they want to know when they come to your site? They want to know the cost. Absolutely. But nobody wants to put that on there because, well, whatever, you know, I'll scare them off. Well, guess what? You want to scare off the ones that are kicking your tires and taking your time. Yeah, you don't you you know, want to qualify them. You right, don't want to qualify them. So they want to know the cost. They want to know what problems they could possibly have. Uh, one of his great questions, I don't think I remember all five, but one of the great questions was, if not you, who? So, hey, we think yeah. we're the best in the world. We're the best pool contractor in the world. But if you got to use somebody else, there's this company over here and they're pretty good. Yep. And you well, want to talk about your stock that, going up. Yeah. Well, the reason why they did that, they, they, list, they wrote an article of all their competitors uh, saying, you know, why they were good, what, you know, what were the good things about them, all these different things. And they didn't even mention themselves in the article. But the reason why they did that is because anytime all of their competitors had really bad websites. And so anytime <laughs> somebody searched for one of their competitors on Google, that article came up with the website of this company. And so you'd be searching for a different pool company and then you'd get Marcus Sheridan's pool company. <laughs> So well, I didn't realize they, uh, well, that he puts that out as one of the things to do. I didn't realize. Oh, absolutely. Even, you should, you should. Yeah. Well, it, your, your stock goes up too. I think everybody here knows you don't bad mouth your competitors. I mean, at worst, just keep your mouth shut, but right. it, it usually doesn't help you to tell somebody else how bad your competitor is because they no, figure you're, all. that's the way you're talking all the time. But yeah, you want clear answers that people are going to go find out and, as contractors, if you've got any experience at all, which I'm sure you do, you know what people are going to ask. So mm-hmm. answer it. 
And you're, you're not going to have to do that in person 20 times over because they're, they can read it for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, usually you're already answering these sales, these in sale, these questions in sales conversations right. and they're in your head. You just got to get them on the paper. Get them on you got to the get paper. them online. Yep. Um, the last thing that, and there's, there's a lot more that you can add, right? You can add, you can, and I think they really fall under these categories, but you can add other content like articles, resources, those kinds of things, but really they fall under these categories. The last one that I really think is super important is uh, clear proof, just at making sure that they, people can find proof that you are the right decision. So that would be testimonials, reviews, case studies of a project that you worked on. Most importantly for contractors, in my opinion, um, I mean, I can't believe this. It's such a visual thing, especially if you're working directly with homeowners, your, your work is a visual thing for your audience. They, they care about what it looks like and how functional it is, right? If you don't have professional high quality photos and videos on your website of your work, people will never want to work with you because of what you've done in the past, unless they're seeing it in person. But if you're taking a crappy cell phone picture and putting it on your website and that's your, you know, your pride and joy that people are like, uh, I mean, it should be a photo that really makes them step back and say, wow, I want that. Right. That's what I need. And that's what's going to get you people in the door if they can see your work. Um, you know, for a lot of contractors, we even make little catalogs, um, not just for, you know, homeowners, but for designers and for builders and other you know, GCs that they're trying to work with if they're a sub. Um, and it goes a long way to have high quality photos, even with other contractors, because it makes them feel like, oh, wow, yeah, this is what it should look like. Right. And it gives them a confidence. So um, those were the five things, you know, clear USP, which we could, you know, unique selling proposition. I consider that your messaging. So clear messaging, clear calls to action, a clear plan for how they can work with you, clear answers to their questions and then clear proof that you're the right decision for them. Those are the five things that I think you need for your website to be successful. Um, and a computer. Once you do have a website, what's that, what's that, Martin? And a computer, so you can yeah. look at it. <laughs> yeah, or a phone or whatever it is, <laughs> right? Um, and then there's things that fall underneath that. Like if you've got a poor website, well, then it's not clear. So it can't do any you know, website layout. If you don't have a good layout for it or design, it's not clear, right? If it's not mobile optimized, you can only view it on the desktop and not yep. on your cell phone. It's not clear, right? So yeah, there's all those bits and pieces. But as far as what you can actually go do, those are the five things that now, I would do. I'm not the marketing guy on this podcast, so I'm going to say this. Don't do all that stuff yourself. First <laughs> of all, I've got an article on this on my website. But first of all, you're not going to be very good at it. And if you are good at it, then maybe you ought to go do that and quit being a contractor. It's not the best use of your time. People can tell uh, when it was done yep. by an amateur. Find a good professional to do it for you. Don't do it. It goes for the pictures and the videos too. Same, oh, for same everything. Thing. Just yeah, get, get the mean, pros to do it and you go be a contractor and get one more job uh, and yeah. you'll pay for all of it. Absolutely. You don't need to You don't need to add another hat to your, yep. to your plate. You don't need yep. to be wearing another hat of now you're doing all the marketing. Now you're in charge of the website it's, it's going to stress you out. It's go spend time with your family, <laughs> right? Go work on some, go work on your business and not in it. Right. Um, so then 
you know, the next problem is you build that you, you let's say you go and do all this stuff to the website, unless you're passing out flyers and doing in, you know, getting out business cards to everybody left and right, you have to actually drive traffic to your website. And that's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen organically very quickly. It can't happen organically, but you still have to do things to make that happen. What, what do you right? call so, that? The zone of the gap of disappointment, the, the zone of despair, zone of despair, the gap of disappointment. Yeah. yeah they need gonna, to know about that. Oh, absolutely. You go and you build this website and you're so proud of it. And then no. for the next week, it's crickets. The next month it's crickets. The next quarter it's crickets. And it's because you have to go and drive traffic to your website. And I will stress, it's important that you build your website first at least have it in a in a presentable manner. Maybe it doesn't have every little aspect and it's not completely finished. Your website should be a living, breathing thing that is continually updated. But don't have, you know, a website from 2008 and then go and run a bunch of ads and go and post on social media with links to your website and go and get into the press and get a press release going and all these different things. Make sure your website's really great and has all of those five clear things done, then yeah, go get, run some Google ads, run some ads on Facebook and Instagram, you know, then yeah, go get on home advisor or, or whatever it is. Start posting to Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, go and, you know, get a, a local news station to do a story about you, whatever it is, make sure that you are trying to deliberately drive traffic to your website. Go put your website on business cards, on trucks, on uh, any collateral that you have. You know, ask friends and family to go and promote it for you, right? You've got to drive traffic to your website to act for it to actually work for you. If nobody visits it, it's like a salesperson who never has a meeting with the, with a potential client or a lead who never picks right. up the phone. Well, of course they're not going to sell. So it doesn't matter if they have all the knowledge in the world. So. That's, that's what I would highly recommend. Um, what problems have you seen a website solve, Martin? Oh, man. Um, first of all, it provides clarity um, to, the, to, the pe- to the people who visit. And even more than that, if you do a good job of your website, it provides clarity to you. Uh, and again, this, if, Absolutely. if you, if you try to do all this yourself, you're not necessarily going to benefit, but if you are working with a good professional marketing company, uh, <clears throat> that understands strategy as well as just how to put up a website, you're, they will force you to make decisions about what it is you do, what it is your Absolutely. customers care about. Uh, you know, Jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, what is it that Sal Chinese guy chase two rabbits, catch none. Uh, so it forces clarity on you and it provides clarity to your uh, readers or to your visitors. Uh, I think in the customer's mind, it helps remove doubt and clarify things. It's the social yeah. or it's the testimonials uh, that you talk about, the photos, the videos, the reviews, the case studies. And by the way, if you don't have a website and you get a good review, what are you going to do with it? Write it on a piece <laughs> of paper or try to remember it and not, it goes nowhere. If you got a website, you get a good review. You're thinking, "Hey, I got to get that to Cleo and get that on my website," or, or maybe you're even thinking, "Cleo tells me I need another testimonial. I'm going to ask for one." So, uh, it does that your credibility goes way up? 
uh, I've had a number of clients in the last year or so with what I call uh, uh, 90s websites. And they're not, matter of fact, I got in a big argument with one client whom I happen to really, really like. But uh, I said, that's an ancient website and it's doing you no good. Well, you can't prove that. That's just your damn opinion. I go, you're right. It's my opinion, but it's also freaking true. If you got <laughs> blank, I mean, you can tell when a, when a website came out of the eighties, you know, or well, not yeah. the eighties, the nineties, something across the top and then the tabs down the side people, even if they're not aware of why, as soon as they look at it, they can tell this guy hadn't looked at that website or maybe it's got wood grains on the background, you know, some where it's a, black piece of paper with purple yeah. letters on it. Is this something that, so, you know, it, it, if you have a good modern quote unquote website properly put together, it's instant credibility. Uh, even though that it's not all the credit melody you need, but your stock goes up and, and it's very much damaged if you don't have one or if you have the old 1990s website. Yeah. I think, I think also, you know, it, it frees you up more than anything. Yeah. I think people don't realize how much, how much time they spend doing support and answering questions and then having sales conversation, sales conversations that lead to nowhere because they're not good leads. Like your website can handle all of that for you. It sells for you. It qualifies for you. It answers questions for you. It gives people a way to reach you. Uh, in a way that you want to be reached with. If you don't want phone calls and you want emails, you can make that happen. Or if you want phone calls and not emails, you can make that happen all through your website. Right. Um, and so I think it solves a lot of administrative problems, a lot of sales problems. Um, Let, and a lot of people customer service deselect themselves. Problems. I think you said that, but he had a client who uh, he develops websites. So that's a contractor, but not with concrete and lumber. But uh he would get a lot of fun. These are complex websites. They manage inventory. They do e-commerce. They're complex. Yeah. And, uh, he was getting a lot of calls from people. And he said, well, oh, average website at that time was about $4,500 or more than that now. Uh, and these people would say, well, I can get one for $350 from my brother-in-law's kid, you know? And he said, well, you can't get, so he, he sent me an email of a, of a, firm that was having that problem. And at, right at the top, it said our average website costs $104,651.25. And it was one of those meters, you know, that in other words, you want a $300 website. Don't waste your, there. just wait to waste the energy clicking the button because that's not us. And somebody who's looking for social validation said, well, Hey, that must be our guy. That's the old reassuringly expensive. Yeah. Uh, $100,000 websites, those are the guys we want to talk to. So, yeah, it sells for you, it qualifies for you, it unloads that burden of explaining everything you've explained 9 million times, and it does it all while you sleep and your customers look. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I do want to finish up our, you know, diving deep into this, that it's not necessarily that, uh, you know, we talked about a, the title, a website versus a salesman. I think that a, a website can absolutely replace a salesperson, but I think you can really, and maybe not in the same you know season or, or quarter or even year, but you can really dominate your market and really hire top-notch salespeople and make them want to join your company 
if you have a really good website. And when you have both a really powerful website that's performing well and optimized to convert customers and a really good salesman, you will really start to see some incredible growth. I mean, we've got a contractor right now who, man, they've got two salespeople, one in each, one in two different markets. And it we're in August right now. We're talking about solving problems because they're booked out through March of 2021. Yeah. Because they have great salesmen and their website is great. I mean, we're getting requests for quote for quotes probably for a day. Just yeah. just churning leads in and in. So it's really powerful once you get both working together. Yep. Um, you know, one thing we didn't mention real quickly uh, is that a website's a lot cheaper than a salesman too. They don't necessarily <laughs> obviously replace sure. them, but once you're confident of it, hey, you don't have commissions that add to your variable cost. You can right. buy a lot of uh, a lot of website and a lot of marketing uh, for the cost of a salary. Uh, yeah. So anyway, don't don't always replace them, but they might replace a fleet of them, and you have a few super sharp closers. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you're able up. to hire those super sharp closers. Yeah. Because you pay more. <laughs> well, yeah, you can pay more, but also you've got, I mean, if you tell a salesperson, Hey, we're getting about four quotes a day, four quote requests a day. I mean, how, how much easier have you made their job? Right. You know? So, well, I think it's time for our uh, Mount Rushmore segment. Hey man, you're getting <laughs> good. You remember the music, um, which I goes so. where? I think I've, oh, I, the past few, I've been doing it right. Well, I don't know well same. enough to call you out on it because I don't remember, but I trust you. So biggest mistake for Mount Rushmore, top four biggest mistakes you see on a website. One of my favorites is to see the name of the company emblazoned in big letters across the, the above the fold. In other words, the first thing you see, I tell people this all the time. Nobody cares about the name of your damn company except you and, and your mom. <laughs> it, 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 that starts it off exactly wrong. Cause it's not about you. And the answer right. people say, well, I'm doing branding. I say, well, the best branding in the world is a happy client. So uh, absolutely let's put some, we, we spend a lot of time talking about what goes up there, but that's, that's the number one thing. Big, uh, no calls to action, uh, in my, you, you kind of redefine it for me, but I mean, you can't even email them contact us even even if it's not a problem it's just like okay is there a phone number on there and then then you got to grab your phone you're looking on your desktop uh so no no calls to action Uh, too much text uh and uh being clever rather than clear but people really they there needs to be some text on there that hits powerful points but people are not going to read a freaking novel on your website so having too much text out there. And then kind of a repeat of the first one is it's all about the the company and not the customer. You can have that stuff in there about us clear on a back page down at the bottom. If somebody wants to know who you are and the history of your company and where you came from and what your personal philosophy is, go ahead and put it over there. And if somebody wants to go look at it, they can, but don't put it where it occupies prime real estate which is you showing the customers why you understand exactly what they want and how you're the one to give it to them. So those, I mean, we could go with more, but that's my four. What are, what are your four? 
No, that's good. Those are all good. And I feel like you can, we should probably just do a big mistakes. I'll do a little yeah, short on all the yeah. mistakes you can make. Yeah. Um, so for me, I feel I, I've got four and I'm even debating changing right now. I'll probably just go with them. So the biggest one that I see on websites is the knowledge curse, uh, which you kind of highlighted too much text. This is too much text that doesn't speak at the customer's level. So if you think of like a scale of one to 10 and you're the expert about what you do as a contractor, you're on a level 10 in knowledge. Your customer usually is at a level one, especially if you're working with homeowners. If you're working with other contractors, this may not be the case, but usually when you're working with a homeowner um, or either, even a business owner, um, they're going to be on you know, maybe a one or two. Maybe the really savvy ones are at a level three. And so what happens is you understand that your customers are an expert. So you do talk, you know, you, you lower the knowledge uh, level of how you talk on your website to maybe a five or a six. Well, that knowledge gap, that knowledge curse is really that from level two where their customers are to where you're at on a level six, that's the gap that you need to fill and you need to lower even less your website when you look at it should be so simple. It's like, you know, your 10 year old nephew can read it and understand it. It's gotta be something that's really clear and it can't be speaking in language and terms that aren't understood by your target audience. Now, if your target audience is, you know, a GC or, you know, other, you know, home builders or whatever it is, if, if you're targeting them specifically, yeah, you should be talking in language that no homeowner yeah, would make, ever make it even simpler. <laughs> yeah and all our yeah. gcs out there i'm just kidding no no i'm just kidding so um the next thing is no crm and what i mean by this yeah it's great to be receiving leads and people filling out forms all that stuff but where is that information going if it's just going to an email inbox you're doing it wrong it needs to go into a customer relationship manager a crm um, we use hubspot and with all of our contractors and they love it but it's a place where it collects all the data, keeps it really organized like a contact book where they add themselves directly in there when they fill out a form. And it, it's deeply connected to the website where we can understand if they fill out a form, we know what pages they've visited on the website, you know, how much time they've been there, how many visits they've had to the website. So a CRM is really powerful. Uh, implement it even if you don't have a website, go and do the CRM first. But yeah, if you if you have a website, get a CRM that's deeply integrated to your website. The next thing you had mentioned, no calls to action. I'm going to say no transition calls to action. And this is one that you rarely, rarely ever see with contractors is, Hey, I'm not ready to buy from you, but I do want to learn more from you. Think about it in terms of dating. You're not going to go up to, you know, when you're in college and you're dating, you're not going to go up to a random girl and say, Hey, will you marry me? Right. It's just not going to happen. You have a transition there, a transitional stage where you say, hey, you want to grab coffee? Can I take you to dinner? And they say, sure. And you're not then going to go and say, hey, will you marry me now? You're going to have a lot of transitional calls to action of, hey, uh, thanks for coming to our website. Here's a here's a free ebook on how to choose the right contractor for your job. Here's, a, here's an email with uh, the 10 steps to create the best budget for your project. You know, all these different transitional calls to action that helps 
people feel more comfortable getting to know you and do business with you and ultimately pull out their credit card. Um, the last one, I mentioned this earlier, is there's no gallery of work. I can't tell you how many times I've been to a contractor's website and they don't have a single picture of a job that they've completed and just a job in general, but then professional photos at that, they're not doing it either. They've got a picture of their trucks and a picture of their building and that's about it. Maybe a picture of some equipment that they sell or whatever it is, materials. Go and get pictures of what your audience wants to see, completed jobs that look incredible. Um, yeah, those are my four. If I'm choosing a hey, George Cleo, Washington, the, yeah? I got to tell you this, man. What? The first time I saw Diane, that's my wife. Within an hour, I asked her to marry me. At 40, I actually 44 years ago. So sometimes you can go ahead and ask them. That's true. But it sure. doesn't work that often. It doesn't work that often. Did she say yes? Uh, she said no, that she That's was going to another state. And I said, no, you're not. I convinced her to not leave the state. And uh, two years later, convinced her to marry me and got married 42 years ago. So. Anyway, that's that's, awesome. that's not part of being a contractor, but sometimes you, they can go straight for the straight for the <laughs> big apple, you know, the prize. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I think my George Washington there would be the the knowledge curse. You've got to speak at your customers' level and speak their language. Well, what about you, man? I I like all of them. Uh, just because it's a general philosophy that website that's about the company and not the customer is a, mm -hmm. is a non-starter just yeah. right there. Okay. Well, it is time for quotes of the day. You've got one. I've got one. Um, mm -hmm. Go ahead and give us your quote. This one's by Jeffrey Gittimer. And I can't remember the name of that book. I think it's a little red book of selling or something, but he said, uh, people love to buy, but they hate to be sold. And that's kind of the whole idea here is we're not selling them. We're enable them to buy from us at their pace and learning on our website. So that's mine. People love to buy, but they hate to be sold. That's good. What's your um, this is actually, uh, it's actually just a tweet, uh, but I love it from a guy named Dave Gerhardt, great marketer, um, usually on the B2B side. But he said, when you have a brand, people can actually get to know you first. And then they feel better about pulling out the credit card. A brand is not your website or logo. A brand equals your reputation. And I couldn't agree with it more. It actually doesn't stop with a website. It, it it's that's that's a an asset. Your logo is an asset. A salesperson is an asset. Your brand is your reputation. And throughout all of your assets, they're being judged. And they're being judged like a like a book by its cover. And then once you get to know those things, you know, there it's once you open the book, essentially, it's being judged even then by its content. And so from on every level, you've got to be thinking about your reputation. That's why people contractors care a lot about their trucks and getting them wrapped. And that's why they care about people showing up on time and answering the phone and all these things. It's your reputation. Same thing goes for your website. It needs to be the best it can be. Your logo needs to be invested in it. shouldn't be clip art that you made on your computer using Microsoft right. Paint. You know, it, every little thing matters for your reputation. So, um, yeah. That's, a, that's, that's another reason why you hire somebody who's good at it to do it because yeah, if you're an amateur doing it, it shows. 
It shows for sure. For sure. Well, Martin, what is something that uh, people can actually go and do? Well, <laughs> uh, you can go look at your website and show it to somebody at Starbucks. Go to Starbucks, open up your website and have them give you an impression. But uh, I think specifically look for a call to action to see yeah. that you have an appropriate call to action. Uh, I'm going to throw another one in is if you're um, above the banner is the name of your company in big letters. Uh, we'll run a thing on how to come up with, but th that's wrong. We need to find out three things that the customer cares about and put those three things up there and have your name, but it's in small letters. Absolutely. Yeah. Go add a call to action to your website, go and get your messaging, right? Go and update your website is what you right. can go do. Um, talk to an expert, use your marketing team, whatever it is, go and update your website with calls to action that are clear uh, and messaging that speaks to your audience. Yep. So I spoke about at the beginning, a client um, that, you know, we redid their website, but we also did some branding for them and um, a lot of content, all of their social media, all these different things. So I won't say that it's the website alone for everything, but right out of the gate, they won some pretty, you know, six figure jobs just because they said we we went to your website and it looked better than everybody else's. Yep. I mean, sometimes when you're dealing with people who don't know the difference in what your work looks like and your competitors work looks like, that's the difference. It's the confidence builder. Outside of that, there are some other big things that they've done. You know, they actually had two salesmen that they weren't happy with and they let go and they've never rehired those positions. They today have zero salesmen at their existing branch. Now they because of their growth, you know, we, we were able to help them raise their sales from, um, well, well 50%, 50%. And, 50%. It's, and we're talking millions. It's we're talking millions, yeah. you know, so, you know, raise their sales 50% in 18 months through all of the marketing. And that's allowed them to acquire a new branch in a different city. Um, they acquired a, a branch of a company that was leaving the area and they've added that branch to their business now. And that business has two salespeople. Um, but what's great about it, they're literally using everything that we've done for their website, everything that we talk about their their product and their services and the articles that we've written for them, all these different things to help educate their salespeople on how they do business, on how they run their company. And now the salespeople reference all of the things that are on the website when they're going into sales calls. So really cool stuff. Um, and it just goes to show that I'm not, I don't want to peg this as website versus salesman in a sense that it's one or the other, but you, if you do both, you're going to ex excel exceedingly. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the end of the story there. Uh, Ethan, you ready for your insights? I am ready. Okay. Cool music. Yeah, I got the cool music. Let's do it. That music reminds me of me. Let me know when you're ready. Hit us up, Ethan. All right, so today we talked about websites versus a salesman. Uh, a website is available 24-7, not just 95 on weekdays. Uh, a bad website can ruin a sale. If you don't have a call to action, put one on your website today and make it clear. If you explain a process on your website, make it a three-step plan. Too many steps can become confusing and drive people away. Uh, just make it easy to do business with you. Uh, 
have clear answers on your website. Answer your customers' biggest questions first. Uh, they should be the questions that your, your customers ask the most. Give your customers proof why they should choose you. Uh, put testimonials, reviews, case studies, photography, videos of your work to show them why they should choose you. Build your website before you try to drive traffic to it. Uh, your website can give you and your customers clarity. Your website sells, qualifies, and explains the questions your customers want to know without you having to be present. Uh, and your website is not about your company. It is about solving your customers' problems. And lastly, eliminate the knowledge gap in your messaging, which means speak in a way that your customers understand. And that's it. Well done. Thank you. Well Ethan. done. I like it. That was, I think that was a good recap. Thank you. I thought you did well there. Um, well, Martin, you're going back to Starbucks for a refill? No, I'm, I'm finished for the day. I've got a lot of work to do. So <laughs> I always, That's I make it a point coffee. to quit drinking coffee by nine o'clock every night, no matter what, <laughs> nine o'clock. no matter what. You're That's going to bed at nine 30, right? Yeah. Well, nine 15. Oh, gotcha. Well, yeah, yeah it's probably you gotta important. quit drinking, teeth, right? All right. Well, we appreciate it. Good stuff. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, see you next time. Next time. Thanks, Ethan. Thanks for listening to the Cash Flow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com. What's up, Cashflow Contractors? Khalil here. Thank you so much for getting to the end of this episode. It means the world to us that you're listening. Uh, I've got a favor to ask. So we are looking for contractors who would like to have a consult, a free consult with myself and with Martin um, for about 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, we'll basically just ask you questions about your business, about what it's like for you to work as a contractor, and then we will answer any of your questions specific to your business. Then we'll make that a live episode for other contractors to learn from, to engage with. Uh, and we think it's a great way for people to really see clear, uh, specific answers to problems that contractors have. So if that interests you at all, we're not going to share any of your information. Um, we, you don't even need to say your name on the episode. But I think we want to get some more of these episodes out there. And if you're willing to do that, we've got a link in the show notes that allows you to just submit a form for a consult, then we'll schedule it with you and record it, and we'll put you live on, on uh, the podcast. So if that interests you, please check it out in the show notes. If not, no worries. Or if you know someone else that you think would be interested in it, send it to them. That'd be great. But appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, we hope that you're finding less stress, more time, and more money. Thanks.